Great to have you with us for another edition of the Strip Till Farmer podcast brought to you by Montag Manufacturing. I'm your host, Noah Newman, technology editor. 2023 was a banner year for Alex Harrell. The Smithville, Georgia strip tiller shattered his mentor Randy Dowdy's world record with a soybean yield of 206 bushels per acre. So we gave Alex a call moments after the big news broke for his instant reaction. Take a listen. Uh, it, was, it was pretty neat. It was kind of surreal to see it. And like I said, uh, I, I, like I told everybody yesterday, you know, I, I wanted Randy to be one of the very first calls I made. But unfortunately, he was in the middle of, of an open heart triple bypass surgery while we were cutting that pot. So, so I wasn't able to, like I said, but he's out recovering and I'm just waiting to hear from him now. But no, it was, it was pretty neat. And like I said, he has paid a, uh, He's paved the path for me, you know, just proving that that kind of stuff can be done in the southeast in Georgia. Oh, no, I'm sorry to hear that, that he had to go through that surgery. Is he doing well? Have you heard anything? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out and he's doing well. Okay, that's he's good. Recovering. Good to hear. I haven't, I haven't spoken to him, but I, his wife called me, congratulated me yesterday, and, and she said he's in recovery and just still kind of out of it, but he's, he's, he's awake and, and today and... Like I said, I'm open to hear from him sometime today, maybe. Well, good to hear that. It's amazing what heart surgeons can do now. It's uh, they've come a long way. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it is. It is. I know. I saw Caleb Trow's name came up too. I did an article on him a couple months ago, actually. So he's your consultant. Yeah, he, he, he's my scouting consultant. Yes. And then, you know, what, what were some of the unique features of that of that plan you developed? And you referenced the plan coming up with a plan to you know develop a high yielding crop. Uh, it's just a systems approach. I mean, there's no silver bullet by any means. Um, you know, it's just a lot of right, a lot of good products. You know, put on at the right time. Um, a lot of planning and some luck involved, also, and a lot of good weather. You know, just one one rain event at the wrong time could have ruined it. And, you know, too much hot weather could have ruined it. But we had a couple of uh, a weather events we had to jump over. Like I said, right after planning. Uh, we had a tacky rain that kind of hurt our stand right off the bat. And, you know, we were that kind of let the air out of me. But um, we came out of it, and uh, then we had a big rain event. We had uh, about 15 inches in 10 days in June. Uh, that did not help matters by any means. But those were really the only two weather events that we had not go our way other than that i mean we had sunny sunny weather warm days but they weren't overly hot and we had cool nights that helped them hot during pollination that 10 day uh, rain event in early june that kind of had to get you concerned a little bit i mean how how were you able to overcome that uh fortunately it's right after it got out i mean it turned hot and sunny um dried it up and we have spray drones, so fortunately we were able to keep spraying even through those rain events. We could spray whatever we needed to in between rains, and we kept it pumped up and kept it sprayed growing. We never never really deviated from a plan. Uh, we tweaked it some according to what our tissue samples and everything showed, but, you know, we, we stuck with the plan that we had in mind. We didn't have the stand we wanted. Uh, we, you know... We, we were hoping to have a few more plants per acre come up than we did, uh, but even after that, I mean, we never we never missed one one day of uh, we never veered off from our original plan as if we had a perfect stand. 
Yeah, and it said that you initially thought that maybe you did around 150 bushels per acre. So, you know, when did you realize that you had a chance to break the 200 mark? Uh, when the scale ticket came back. <laughs> um, we even even after harvest, I mean, I, I knew all year, you know, after reproduction stage, I knew we had really good beans. I knew they were probably 150 bushel beans. I didn't think they were much better than that, if any, mainly because I've never seen any better than that. But um, and our pod counts and everything were coming back in that 150 range. But where we were messing up on our pod counts, we were counting our beans as way, you know, 2,500 beans per pound on average. And we actually ended up about 1,700 beans per pound. So we didn't just have triple the pods out there like everybody's thinking. I mean, we just had a lot bigger, heavier beans. You know, what role did strip till play in this? You know, what strip till unit do you use? And then how I use I use a Schlegel rapid till. And I strip into a four-way cover crop mix. I plant a fall cover crop mix of triticale radish, triticale rye, oats, and daikon radish. And I ran a Schlegel rapid till right through that. Oh, so you you do build the strips right over the cover crops? Yes, I burn. I plant the cover in the fall, and I burn it down in the spring, and then strip through it and plant it all in you know. I'll burn it. I'll burn it down. Come in a couple, three weeks later. Run the strip till, the rapid till, and then plant. Usually a day or two behind it. So, so you're building strips in what? Early April, is it, or March, or? Yeah. Well, this field would have been early April. Early April. Got in March, first of April, we planted that field on April fifth. Have you been strip tilling for a long time, or are you pretty new to it? Uh, six years now. More from Alex in just a minute, but first let's hear from the guy who sold Alex the rapid-till, strip-till unit that helped him break the record. Jonathan Spence is the regional sales manager for Schlegel Manufacturing. We caught up with him at the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois, to talk about the role strip-till, specifically with rapid-till, played in Alex's success. So one of your customers, Alex Harrell, he broke the uh, soybean world record at 206 bushels per acre using this machine right here so how did this give him the advantage to reach that kind of yield you know we uh we talked about this alec was was in the booth this morning and uh we didn't have much he's he's a pretty popular guy right now south georgia they say he's hotter than train smoke so he's uh you know he's he's having a good time up here one thing that i did want to make sure um that we did get a chance to talk about though is how we build a strip and how we differentiate ourselves from competition and how this uh, how this machine actually works? We we do something a little different. We run our uh, we run the depth of this machine off the rear basket. That's our gauge wheel for the whole machine, and that gives us a unique opportunity to firm that seed bed up a little differently than most uh, companies do. So for Alex, you know, you, you go to those meetings and you listen, you talk to guys about yield potential, and the guys that are winning, they're and I'm not trying to put words in Alex's mouth, but the guys that are really having good success with that talk about seed to soil contact. And our whole company, everything we sell is based around having seed to soil contact at the, when, when you're planting. So for this machine to be able to have a shank rip, everything folds back in with our wavies 
and then to get compressed back here on the on the back we really give that seed a good chance to have good germination and even germination across the field i was at a conference not too long ago and i heard somebody mention if you're going to be in a competition like that especially on corn if those corn plants don't emerge within six hours i think it was six hours or 12 hours of each other you don't even have a chance of winning that competition which was amazing to me which tells you it has to be pretty pretty perfect and uh near perfect seed bed conditions would be no voids whatsoever and we do a really really good job of having a voidless seed bed that's that's ready for planting good stuff there from jonathan let's burn a quick time out here's a message from our sponsor montag manufacturing Montag has rolled out two new industry-first products. Cover Crop Plus is the first metering system dedicated to cover crop seeds, able to accurately meter even the smallest seeds like cover crests. It can be mounted to tillage implements, combines, and self-propelled high-clearance machines. The second new product is the Mammoth Size Model 2224 with 13 or 16 tons capacity for producers running with larger strip-till implements. For more information, visit the Montag website or your Montag dealer. Now let's get back to the conversation with Alex as he shares some of the keys to his high yielding formula. Just kind of give me the basics about your operation, you know, how many acres, what crops you grow and, and where you're located. Uh, yeah, I'm in Smithville, S-M-I-T-H-V-I-L-L-E, Georgia. I farm in Lee in Sumter County. Farming about 3,000 acres now, um, cut back from a, right at 6,000 last year. And are, are you are you first-generation farmer? Uh, no, I farm with my dad, uh, Harold Farms Partnership. Take me through the timeline of, of, the, of the field that broke the yield. And starting with last year's harvest, you know, what, what was the process like? How would you prepare it? If you just kind of want to take us through that. Uh, yeah, we harvested corn off of uh, that field last year. <clears throat> um and you know august september time frame i don't know exactly and then we pulled uh one acre grid samples um soil samples across that entire field and then you know we started that's when it started was when the soil probe goes in the ground and then we variable rated lime according to those uh soil samples and then we applied gypsum as well to help build calcium base saturations and then pre-plant we planted a cover crop during the fall as well um and then in the spring we burnt down the cover crop we applied poultry litter chicken litter and then um and then we planted in april early april uh planted eighty-five thousand uh, seed per acre final stand of 77 cups that contest plot was planted somewhere around 1 a.m we planted in the middle of the night and we got because we knew a rain was coming but we didn't know it'd be that big or we wouldn't plant it but got a packing rain that kept us from getting a good stand or you know a perfect stand and then um, other than that only other weather hurdle we had was a big rain in june early june we got 15 inches of rain in 10 days but other than those two the weather was pretty good and then as far as equipment goes uh, what kind of planter do you have i've got a custom built planter it's uh it's kind of a mix between a John Deere planter and a precision. You know, it's a John Deere frame and got a lot of precision planting parts on it, though. What are some of the, the unique characteristics of it that kind of give you that uh, uh, upper we've hand? Got, we've got Delta Force uh, downforce, which is hydraulic downforce. It reads the ground pressure, and each individual row has sensors on it. And 
we change three times per second as we're going across the field each individual row. So we've got the hydraulic downforce, and then we've got electric drive meters, um, the V-drive meters. And then uh, one big thing is furrow force on the back. Our closing system, we run a two-stage closing system called furrow force. Got an airbag that, you know, we can change our pressure on, uh, as our closing system to, you know, and that helps a lot with the emergency. And then we run a three-by-three-by-three three three fertility system on each side of the row, um, and all that's ran through um, precision also. And uh, then we run an in-furrow system as well. So we run an in-furrow, in a seed trench, and then we're running, we don't put fertility in-furrow, but we put fertility three inches to each side and three inches deep. Ran through the V-apply system. And then in terms of when, what, and how much uh, fertilizers you're applying throughout the growing season, uh, how does that work for you? We pull tissue tests every Monday, starting at V1 stage all the way up until desiccation. Every Monday we pull a tissue sample, and then we base our fertility applications off of what those, the trend line we build from that. Not off of one tissue sample, but we pull them every, every week at, at the same time, and we build our trend line. And like I said, we can see if anything's, you know, gradually declining or increasing and, and we can make our applications based off of those. Uh, drones kind of helped you out when, it, when the weather got bad, that kind of allowed you to. Yeah. Yeah. We spray, we do a lot of our foliar fertility is done with, with spray drones. Yep. And then about how deep when you're making your strips with the strip till, about how deep do you go? Anywhere from six inches to 16 inches. I mean, it just depends on, on what system we're running. Um, and if we if it's been what I'm doing going forward is I'll run an inline ripper in front in like this fall or winter and then I'll use the rapid till as like a strip freshener right in front of the planter uh-uh. but that was done about the contest field was around 10 inches deep what kind of impact do the cover crops have when you when you pair it with the strip till and just in terms of preparing that yeah, soil I, I use cover crops for erosion issues i've got you know sandy land and, and we've got all the way to heavy clay but but all of my dirt will wash away during the winter rain so we started planting a cover crop in the fall and we get some you know weed suppression from it but i do it mainly for erosion you know we're getting soil health benefits from it we're getting weed suppression from it but you know my my thing is is erosion that's why i do it yeah, we hear that a lot. Um, I, I guess just, you know, last question is just kind of what's your overall takeaway in terms of maybe something you learned or just overall takeaway from this growing season, especially with the breaking the yield record? Yeah, don't give up on it. Because um, like I said, we didn't have the best stand, but we never really deviated from it. We carried it all the way in. And on you know, soybeans, late season management is huge. I mean, Usually when people start giving up on beans, that's when we're really cranking up our management. You know, at the R1 stage, as soon as flower flowering starts, you know, most people are completely fertilized and, and everything by then, and that's when we're really cranking up. Soybean plant will take up about 67% of its fertility after R1. So that's when we really start hammering. You know, we're laying in PGRs and, and foliar fertility and fungicides and you know, we're wide dropping, applying nutrients banded next to the row, and then we're also injecting through the through the irrigation. Which I remember you said you use micronutrients. Which micronutrients do you use? All of them. All of them. So, like uh, like zinc. Uh, what are some of the other ones? Uh, zinc, manganese, magnesium, molybdenum, boron, 
copper, iron. I'm sure I'm forgetting one, but I use all of them. Yeah, and then and again, you know, what are the benefits of those? I mean, I talked to Caleb Trow about that one time. He he just emphasized how you need like all like the complete fertility package. So, you know, what's the biggest benefits of micronutrients? Well, I tell people it's like baking a cake. If it takes 15 ingredients to make a cake, you know, you could probably leave two of them out and still have a cake at the end of it, but it won't be as good as if you had all of them. The same thing with a crop. I mean, you got to have everything there, and it's all got to be balanced. I like that. That's a great analogy. I like that. Why, when, and how do you desiccate the soybeans? Why is because they're an indeterminate bean, and they'll just keep growing in our uh, in our heat in the south. I mean, they they don't die down on their own. And we do it when we get complete pod separation from the membrane in the pod from the bean. I mean, that's that's how I you know. Like corn black layers, that's a black layer for soybeans is when it separates from the inside of the pod. That's when we do it, and the reason we do it is to go ahead and desiccate those beans and, and get them to dry down for harvest. Because if not, the beans will dry down, but the, it'll still have green leaves and green stems, and in our high humidity, they'll just rot. Because it's, an, it's not a determining variety, it's an indeterminate variety. And that'll wrap things up for this week's edition of the Strip-Till Farmer Podcast. Thanks to Alex Harrell and Jonathan Spence for joining us today. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Montag Manufacturing, for helping to make this Strip-Till Podcast series possible. From all of us here at Strip-Till Farmer, thanks for listening, and have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you next time.